You're listening to People in Profit, a podcast that focuses on elevating humanity through business, sponsored by Conscious Capitalism Arizona. And now, let's hear from our hosts, Jeremy and Sarah. Uh, we're your hosts, Jeremy Neese and Sarah McCrarran, and we are very excited to talk to you today to talk today to Peyton Lasavita of the president and co-founder of Copac, and also Denny Leclerc, uh, CEO of Truce. And we want to find out more about how they are elevating humanity through business and their organizations. But before we dive into that conversation, we want to start uh, with just a little bit about conscious capitalism. So we want everyone to know that uh, free enterprise capitalism has served to lift more people out of poverty than any other socioeconomic system ever conceived, empowering social cooperation, human progress, and elevating humanity. Good business is the answer to many of the global issues humankind is facing, and that is why we'll dive into this in our show today. Sarah, conscious capitalism is in fact a global movement with over 50 chapters across the world that is on a mission to recapture the truth that good business is about doing good for all stakeholders, creating a higher purpose for your organization that can benefit everyone. Our Arizona chapter is focused on highlighting the amazing businesses and leaders that are in our state who are pursuing a higher purpose and consciously creating value for all of their stakeholders. If you want to find out more about conscious capitalism and the Arizona chapter, please visit ccarizona.org. So with that all out of the way, let's jump into these conversations. Uh, We are so happy to have some very good representatives of what conscious capitalism looks to bring to the marketplace. And uh, and we can't wait to dig into some of this conversation. Peyton, can we go with you first? Would you please share with us just your story of uh, your, you know, your journey through business and what leads you to be part of this podcast with us today? You have 30 seconds. Ready? Go. Awesome. All right. On time. <laughs> Kidding, of course. Um, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Um, grew up in the restaurant business, actually. I'm, I'm a third generation Arizona native, so one of the rarities. Uh, so I've always kind of had entrepreneurship in my blood. Um, in college, I, I started my first e-commerce store and, and built and sold that. Wasn't big or anything like that, but I learned a lot and was able to uh, pay some bills with, with the sales. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, immediately jumped into another thing um, that got involved with e-commerce, Amazon, that kind of stuff. So uh, that company was Miabella Foods. So I was running that and kind of pioneering that business, both in a traditional sense through retailers and then uh, through the new digital uh, channel of e-commerce and Amazon and any other of those sales channels that we could find. While I was doing that, I was also helping my family run their restaurant. So I do the marketing, digital marketing and stuff for our restaurants here in the Valley. So we've got four of those right now. And then as I grew that business and learned about Amazon and e-commerce and fulfillment and shipping and picking and packing and kidding and all that kind of stuff, um, I started doing consulting. And so uh, some of my friends, like Denis, uh, asked for some Amazon help. And, and that quickly turned into a consulting business uh, where then... I did that for a couple of years and, and then uh, my consulting clients started asking me for help with fulfillment because they knew I was shipping my own product and I was helping them sell more product on Amazon. And so they needed help shipping their product out. And so I thought, well, I'm already doing it for myself. Might as well help other people do it. Yeah, so then I not? started doing that for people and um, it just kind of vertically integrated and continued to grow from there. And uh, now, uh, now we've just launched this year uh, Copac. Uh, which is a new contract manufacturing and co-packaging facility that is located in Chandler, Arizona. We've got uh, 
a handful of business partners, one of which is, uh, his name is Lauren Scott, great partner, uh, actually an introduction from Denis. So him and I connected and him and I were going to do this little uh, kind of garage co-packing facility, uh, do things on the weekends and at night for small brands and help them grow. And what went from needing 2,000 square feet to now we have just shy of 17,000 square feet. We're, we're ramping up and growing and building this thing up pretty quickly and, and having a good time doing it and helping companies like Truce. Um, we also work with a nonprofit that employs special needs and disabled individuals here in the Valley. Um, and so, uh, which has been not only uh, very near and dear to my heart from doing Special Olympics volunteering, but also uh, critical to the growth of our business. Um, They've just been a joy to be around and, and include in, in our growth. And um, that's that's kind of the story and what we're all about and um, hope to uh, continue to do more and more of that. That's outstanding. Peyton, that's thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Uh, did I hear that correctly? You said you started Copac this year? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we we signed a lease in december of last year did construction we're looking at being open in february and march and uh we were open i think april middle of april is when we got our our certificate of occupancy and about the same time that everything got shut down so um luckily we we are considered an essential business especially on the uh, e-commerce side um you know we ship a lot of food products for people that kind of thing um Everybody relied on on buying things online, and so a lot of our brands um, we supply. One of our brands does a bunch of stuff for new moms, and so like that was super critical to make sure that they got their supplies. And so um, we actually had in May it was a busier month than our typical quarter fours for shipping, and so it was uh, wow. yeah, it was it was quite the experience. Nothing we were really uh, knew how to to pivot or anticipate or anything like that. Um, our facility, we actually, we had always planned on getting a bunch of different certificates and everything like that, but we also became certified OTC with the FDA so that we could do over-the-counter drugs, um, which allows us to do not just the WHO formula for hand sanitizer, but we can do actual hand sanitizer that's completely vetted. Um, okay. So it goes through the whole FDA process before it even goes out to the market. So our facility is rated for that. And uh, one of the things we pivoted to and a lot of our early clients who we had anticipated doing a lot of cosmetics, which isn't necessarily up this year. And so um, <laughs> switching over to stuff like like hand sanitizer was definitely a, a saving grace uh, as we, we launched the new the new space, the new location. So that's great. You know, everybody's got a different story on how uh, life and operating a business in the covid era uh, plays out. And boy, what a whole different set of challenges you've just uh, explained to us about having to grow from 2,000 to 17,000 square feet and yeah. delivering essential products to people. Boy, that's uh, a whole different kind of tornado went through your offices. And uh, that's great to see you flourishing in, in a time of challenge. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster, but it's been a fun one. Good for you. Denny, I'd love to hear uh, your quick little uh, bio for the world, too, so we can uh, hold you into the conversation, please. So I, I, am, I don't come from an entrepreneurship family. Both my parents were for the state. I'm originally from France. So I moved to the U.S. Uh, 30 years ago, became a citizen like 20 years ago. So I don't come, I don't have any entrepreneurship in my blood. My wife does. And she's the one who started the business in 08. 
um, at the downtown Phoenix market. And so we made known toxic cleaning products and uh, because she's an ecology, she has a PhD in ecology. So she wanted to make sure that basically the chemicals were not in the house. So that's how she started that. And we got picked up by Whole Food within a month. And Holy so cow. we thought we're, yeah, just like Whole Food here in the state, like nine stores. And we thought we had made it. I mean, it was just like, oh my God, <laughs> we're in business. You know, we're saying to Whole Food. It was just like this amazing ride. And Whole Food was was fantastic to work with. So we had nine stores and she did that for like four or five years. And I was kind of on the side. I was kind of, my business card at one point just say sugar daddy because I was the one funding everything. It was just like, okay, because I have another job. I'm a professor at Thunderbird, the, the business school, the school of global sure. management. So basically I was doing that on the side and then the business got picked up by APS. They had a program for women owned businesses and it was kind of a mini MBA. And she came back from that and talking about two other entrepreneurs and how the struggle and the joy and the ride and all that. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'm kind of interested. So I, I got more involved in the business uh, maybe four or five years ago now, five years. And I met, so we moved into Max 6. And before we were doing all the products, we have, we're very lucky because on the property in Tempe, we have like an in-laws house. It's known as an in So we made all the products in the back house. And then suddenly we had to move into a warehouse and we're like, well, to do what? I mean, basically, we're like, and so it's, it, and one of the first person we met at the Max 6 was actually Peyton. And so we have grown from having a tiny space to a bigger space to making products in the warehouse. Now we have 2,000 square feet. And right now it looks like a canyon because we have pallets everywhere. We can't move. And uh, we were introduced. So I introduced Peyton to a couple of people I knew in my network to say, hey, you're looking for some, somebody to do a fulfillment. I know a great guy here at Maxis. So that's how, that's what I love, love about the Maxis part and the conscious capitalism in terms of like, there's a community of people who are just driven by, I'm not here to compete with anybody. I'm, I know something that you might need. So I may as well open my network to you. And, uh, Peyton, uh, we, we were, uh, we knew the, the Gumpers network, you know, people with disability and they have been absolutely fantastic to work with. And it had to me what I love about the environment is it has been this symbiotic kind of relationship of small businesses helping other businesses. And to me, that's, that's the part that really reason, resonated with me. And so right now we, we have grown pretty much like over 300% since last year. It has Another been so, number. yeah. So, so basically, Peyton's curve has happened to us. So, I remember looking at the warehouse in March, and we, the house, the warehouse was pretty much packed. And we have one of our best product, which is an all-purpose cleaner. Uh, we sell in grocery stores. We sell in sixteen ounce, thirty-two ounce, and gallons. And we had reserve. What I consider having, we had our inventory. We had we had our safety stocks. We're like, mm. we're looking good. We're able to provide to our customer. And then suddenly something happened mid-March where Sony on Amazon, we started to sell 20, 40, 50 gallons. And then suddenly the stores came and basically we got wiped out in three weeks. I mean, totally wiped out of products. And then it's the struggle of like, not plan. When can we get the inventory back on track? And you are like, and people are like, oh yeah, what do you want? We want 16 ounce bottle. And people are like, how many do you want? So we're like, oh, 5,000. And it's like, I don't have 5,000. I have 2,000. So we're like, I take 2,000. And since March, it has been a giant learning curve in supply chain. It has been this unbelievable learning curve because 
we're not the only one and you have new people coming on the market. So the bottles we could get and also the volume now. So we just put an order. We are not at the point of getting and needing, you know, 10,000 gallons, 50,000, 16 ounce bottle. And I mean, the volume has multiplied by 20. Uh, so which is, you know, everybody tells me it's a good thing to have. So I, I hope so. I mean, everybody say, oh, it's such a good problem to have. It's just like, oh, I hope so. Because right now it feels like um, I'm surfing a big waves and it's just like, uh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't when know. When can I come so, up for air? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we work with Peyton pretty much. Peyton helped us with the Amazon strategy and and now he's co-packing for us. So, And I like that part. I'm also, I mean, truth, we are very community oriented. So all our co-packers are, I can drive to my co-packers. You know, I, I really, you know, the banks is a local bank. And I truly believe in helping kind of the local economies first. Unfortunately, there's some stuff we have to bring from outside the U.S., which is like, hey, guess what? Nobody's making bottles, yeah. making, <laughs> making sprayers. It's a giant struggle. And you go to China and you get that stuff delivered to you in six weeks. Mm-hmm. It's still as, it's, it's as expensive as getting it in the U.S., you guys. Don't get too excited because mm-hmm. the taxes and all that. stuff. So you're not saving money. What you're saving is time. Because like we got news last week from our, one of our co-packer that one bottle is not going to be available until the beginning of Q2 of next year. I'm like, uh, no, no, I need that stuff now. <laughs> so this is in a nutshell, in a nutshell, that's what has happened. And I, I mean, I have the title of a CEO, but to me, it's all about my team. I mean, I have an unbelievable team and I'm my only worry is to find money because I, I have to slow them down because these guys, my, my whole team is absolutely amazing. We, we have an amazing team of people and it's all about the team. I mean, I'm, I just, I just have the title CEO, but I'm the, I have, I'm considered as the biggest cheerleader. That's who I am. And that's <laughs> my, my job is to be the cheerleading on the side to let them go. So, yeah. You know, I'm curious. I, you know, I say that a lot, but uh, so just listening to kind of, you know, your individual stories and then, you know, where your paths have crossed and then specifically, you know, what's the explosion that's happened for both of you this year and I will just kind of make a little side note. It's it's nice to hear a story about how the, you know, the the changes and, you know, the pandemic of this year has the businesses that have, you know, benefit, not, you know, not all the stories about, you know, how the, you know, how businesses have been, you know, decimated or, or cut or slashed or, or trying to figure out how to come back. It's, you know, nice to hear that, you know, regardless of, you know, what the impetus is, the success stories, business success stories from, you know, from this year as well, because I think that's always the truth, right? No matter what's going on, you know, and, and, you know, how, you know, many, you know, bad things and struggles that are going on, there's always the other side of that and, you know, things that are, you know, continuing to grow and prosper around us as well. But figuring out like how that kind of all worked for you guys and how much of it maybe was even, uh, you know, dependent or needed to, you know, happen between each other, right? So it's almost, it kind of sounds like, and maybe I'm wrong, that, you know, Peyton, you have this new venture uh, and you, of course, you thought it was going one way and it went another way, but, you know, that doesn't really matter. That happens, you know, for all kinds of reasons, I think, to all kinds of businesses, and then, you know, Denny comes in with this huge, unexpected in- increased demand for all of his products while you're at the same time starting up um, 
you know, a co-packing, you know, contract manufacturing facility. And so it almost seems like your success was almost the, some of your success and the growth in this year was almost so, you know, intertwined, like, you know, Peyton, you were able to grow because, you know, Denny had this increased demand and Denny was able to meet the increased demand because you had created this, you know, this co-packing, you know, contract manufacturing facility. So I'm just curious how much of that is true because I think it's such a great example of, uh, you know, not just like you were saying, you know, businesses working together, but what it really, who our stakeholders really are, you know, you know, who this broader community are is and how we really do depend on each other and will thrive when we choose to work together instead of just work, look, focusing on our own success. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I'd, I'll start with kind of the Amazon side, you know, and Denis and I have been working on their Amazon account for couple years now at least Mm -hmm. and you know inventory has always been kind of an issue and it it is for just about every company on amazon uh it's it's an it's a capital intensive game and and it really is a game and with amazon it's like almost playing the stock market even if you've got your own products and it's your own brand you've got to make sure Mm -hmm. you're constantly stocked up on inventory and if in the in the case that there is a spike you've got to have inventory and reserve to go and all that kind of stuff so We've been really working on forecasting with Truce for a number of years, and um, we dialed it in pretty good. I mean, we had six months of inventory ready to go for all their most popular products. We were, you know, rocking and rolling, and we had plans to to pack more, you know, mid year and get ready for quarter four because it spikes. E- even cleaning products spike in quarter four, like it's still a good time of year for everybody. And so, you know, we we were on a really good track, and then then it was just everything that we had planned for the next six months was blown out in three weeks. You know, we, we worked really closely together to kind of solve what we would do with that. We, we scrambled to get other product to customers because what really happened was it, it was a need for customers. You know, it was great that we both had companies that help, you know, people in need and we were there and prepared to help people in need. Um, obviously, we wish we could be even more prepared, but even the biggest companies in the world weren't as prepared to supply the need. So luckily, you know, small businesses like us are there to also help when people need that kind of stuff. So now we're, if we can send a few hundred units or a few thousand units, we do it because it, it quickly gets to the customers. And so, you know, we're, we've been constantly working on that together and, and the whole supply chain really did get messed up. So a lot of like the raw materials, even that some of our, our clients need and stuff like that are really difficult to get. And so over the last month, you know, we've all been working really hard to make sure we can get the raw materials. So now, you know, Denis and his, like he said, amazing team, they, they're, so amazing to work with. We, we're all on a Slack channel together. So I communicate with his team almost daily. And, um, you know, we're working on getting his products produced and back to them as quickly as possible. So then, you know, the supply chain gets caught back up and everything like that. So, um, and yeah, and in doing all that, like, you know, because we've been working so hard over the last few years in a case like this, obviously Truce benefited. And then, you know, my company was able to benefit. And now what we're doing and working towards is just getting through this together mm-hmm. and to the point where now we're back to where we can breathe a little bit, but still continue to push and provide and take care of the people and our customers. So yeah, if, if I can add to, to what Peyton is saying, I mean, to me also that part of like that kind of to me, what I call an ecosystem is really like uh, there's a lot of trust between all the partners. So like, I, I think one of the things that has been really amazing to work with Peyton and his team is like how transparent we are. Uh, he's like, I know he needs to make money. He knows I have to make money. 
And at some point, you know, guess what? We have to be transparent and say, listen, I, you know, let me show you what I need. You know, how much I need to be able to pay. And I mean, that, and you can check my PO if you want to. I am not trying to, to drive you so that you can barely make money, but we need to have, how can we work together so that you give me a break right now and I have an open PO for you? So, you know, that's the part. And I, I think it takes a lot of trust. I mean, I, you know, I have been burned by a couple of other co-packers. So I know what it means. And finding somebody who is, whom I can trust is, is phenomenal because I know also what Peyton can do. And, you know, it's just like, that's the part of like being totally transparent, but it takes, takes a lot of um, months and years of talking to people. And I, I think that's the part of business to me that has been, that's the most interesting one is to, to create partners rather than like, I'm not, you're not only a supplier, you're a partner with my success because if I'm successful, guess what? I'm going to bring you more, more business. And then we can grow together. But I think it's a change in mentality because you have some people who are still in the, like, you see that in the supply. Like, for example, I know it has been a struggle for Peyton, but our raw material, there was such at one point a, an insane amount of money that's been made by big suppliers because they knew they could make it. Um, and it was just disgusting because, you know, what we used to buy for $600 went to $1,200 in value. And I'm like, but I used to buy from you. It's like, yeah, but that's what I can. And I understand it's everybody's here to make money, but it's, that's the part where it's like, okay. So, and now the price have come down. I mean, the, the price people have realized, guess what? You know, us suppliers and co-packers have been smart now. We have more, more suppliers. So the people who had cheated us for a while suddenly it's like, oh, guess what? I, you know, I'm cutting you back because the prices have gone down again. I'm like, yeah, I know how you do business now. So, you know, that's the part. But, you know, it's part of business. I mean, everybody's here to make money. You know, we don't have a social club. We have not doing that for creating a social club. So I understand that. Yeah, I appreciate you calling that out, Danny, because that actually jumped off the page for me when Peyton was mentioning that he's in the Slack channel with your team, really, mm. really fully integrated. And um, absolutely, right? It's called conscious capitalism, not conscious philanthropy, because yes, you mm-hmm. do need to bring in, we, we always say inside the conscious capitalism circles that the profits are the fuel that allow your mm-hmm. mission to propagate. And so obviously you need to bring the money in the door. The benefit and the the trust relationship that you two have established in propelling both your organizations forward is you've got this, the long-term mindset and that, yeah, maybe I could command a few extra bucks out of this engagement, or I could beat a a supplier down to a little bit of a lower price point, and that might help you on this transaction. But who are you going to turn to when you've got a bottle need and nobody else can get them until Q2 of next year for you? And here's this relationship you've created mm-hmm. uh, with other suppliers that understand and they're in it with you to help you navigate your challenges, not just maximize their profit or mm-hmm. yours at that moment. So that's a perfect example of of the uh, tools and techniques that conscious firms that are going for the long term uh, go for. And so I, I really appreciate you calling attention to that because that's a good one. The other thing that really jumped out for me is you're both going through this great period of growth and it's equally challenging, in my opinion, to remain steadfast in your conscious uh, practices when you're in hyper mode when, hey, I need to find bottles and I appreciate the comment on all other things equal, I'd love to source them domestically, but I can't. Mm-hmm. I got to get orders filled. And so I have to do what I have to do. And so I can only imagine the series of challenges. There's, you know, obviously people in the environment right now are how do we survive? You know, our revenues aren't even coming in the door. How do we keep things afloat? And, and obviously there's challenges to how you operate consciously in that 
storm, if you will. But uh, what you two are facing is equally as challenging, in my opinion, staying true to your values. And so I'm just curious, is that something that you're intentional with on your teams and saying, hey, we're moving fast and furious, but let's not lose sight of our core values. How do you keep that at top of mind for everyone? So I have, I have a great example on that. So because Peyton had already dealt with the supplier for our bottles. And so when I brought that to the team, I say, you guys, rather than waiting until November to get these bottles where we need, we have an order for 20,000 of these, we can outsource them to China. And I'm not kidding. We spent a half an hour conversation on that topic. We spent half an hour as a team to talk about like, is this something we should be doing? What does it mean about who we are as community and trying to engage our suppliers and the people in the community? Uh, what if we don't do it? Uh, what would be, are we seeing that as a short term, mid term, or do we see that as a long term? And I, it, it, it was a very interesting conversation because at first people are like, well, we have our co-packer here in the U.S. You know, they are big guys, but they cannot provide to us. We are in business and they don't seem to know basically when are they going to be able to provide us sprayers. You know, everybody, sprayers are unknown entity right now in the U.S. market. I'm not kidding. Try to find a sprayer and not, you know. And so it took us half an hour and then it's like, okay, well, how are we going to trust these people in China? I mean, you know, because we have to give it, 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 there's, it was not an easy conversation for us. I mean, you would think, well, it's like also all about money driven. Well, the cost of the product is actually dirt cheap. I'm not going to lie to you. But then when you have the transportation, you have the, the taxes you have to pay and you just like, okay, so I'm saving a, a penny, two pennies, maybe. Uh, the cost is pretty much the same. It's, it's, it's not the cost, it's the speed. I mean, I, it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. We're a cool packer here. Even the big guys who do blow bottles and all that stuff, so they can keep up with the demand. They were, I think everybody was totally, everybody was totally taken by surprise by that storm. And so what you have is a huge, I mean, it goes deeper in terms of geopolitics, but we have sent out plastic to China for years. Then we find ourselves with no plastic in the US. So, you know, it's just like this kind of like stupid system. And now we have to go to China. And it's, it's, so it's, it's, this is when you realize like big, big decisions have also local impact. And to us, it was just brutal. It was absolutely sure. brutal. I'm and sure. so but I love your methodology. I love that you, you know, actually huddled the team up. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How, yeah. What are the moves on the table here and which one yeah. is most yeah. aligned for us right now? And yeah. How do we, how do we approach that. So right how about now, you, Peyton? Such, yeah. Peyton, do you have yeah. uh, examples of, of challenges and or um, of wins sure. sort of net surfing through this challenge? Yeah. So, um, you know, in addition to the the constant communication, like Denis was talking about with the team and making sure the team also is on the same page as you, I think that's super important and, and understanding. And um, it's really easy to go. And we've gone weeks without meeting as a team before. And it, you, you quickly realize how bad of an idea that is and how <laughs> even just one meeting can completely change the entire situation you're going through because everybody's trying to figure things out and stuff like that. But I think it's really important um, to build kind of that, that consciousness into your systems, into your business, so that it's it's part of the processes and part of the DNA of, of what you do and who you are as a company. Um, you know, un- unfortunately, you know, uh, I'll use the example of working with with our special needs, you know, employees, and it's you know they're they're high risk, and so we lost. Mm-hmm a massive, important labor force early on in, in all of this. And 
it was at the detriment of the business, but it, their lives and safety are far more important than, than anything we're doing. Um, and so, um, you know, that, that was sad, but at the same time, like we were able to make it through and we haven't replaced that part of our business. So as soon as it's safe, like we're, we're bringing that consciousness right back into the the business because it's part of our business and we wouldn't be where we're at today without it. And so, um, you know, wanting to contribute to that community and wanting to, to, you know, just integrate all that into who we are, I think is important early on. So we, you know, we've been working with, with that group for um, probably a little over a year now, at least. And, and that's when we were in less than a thousand square feet, you know, just doing our fulfillment stuff and just doing some kidding stuff. And, and now like when it, once it's safe again, we can't wait to bring back as many individuals as we possibly can and, and provide jobs um, as much as we can and, and still keep everybody safe and healthy. So um, it, it's easy to do. I, I guess easy is the wrong word. It's never easy to do, but it's important to build it into your business from the start and, and then just stay true to that. So, and, and I think truce, I mean, from the beginning, I, I've watched them grow from their little space they had at max six to what they're doing now. And it, it's been amazing. And, and um, it, what's been great about it is their growth has not taken away from who they were from day one. And I mean, I completely admire and, and love that about them and their team and the brand. And um, I will always be a huge supporter of that because of who they are and what they've done. So um, I think that's probably one of the most important things. So Peyton, with, with you guys being a, a new company, and, you know, talking about, you know, the importance of, you know, baking it in, you know, what, how did, what did that look like for you? So, you know, you, you've got your concept, you know, you're getting ready to, to get up and going, you're building your team. Um, how, how did you establish that, you know, and, and then of course, quickly grew, grew very quickly. So how did you establish that foundation, especially through, you know, mass change and you know quick growth uh that was strong enough to you know keep you you know attached sure so um i mean it's definitely quick growth but at the same time it's something we've been working on for six or seven years um so it's kind of one of those those overnight i mean i wouldn't even call us close to success yet but you know it's one of those things that I've been a solo entrepreneur for a long time and then I had a small team and it was, you know, project managers who worked in other States. And then, um, you know, then, then my wife joined the team and we're working together and we're waking up every day and we're going in there and working on the business. And this is going on for years. And then, you know, all of a sudden we need help as we're growing and, and well, what does help look like and who do we want to contribute? And, um, she actually did some work with, uh, women in prison and, and the reform. And so, you know, she's got a close place in her heart for helping people who have trouble getting jobs to get jobs because, you know, it, it's part of your self-worth. And so we always knew that whatever businesses we were going to run and whatever companies we were going to work for, we're going to have kind of that ethos. It made sense to us real quickly to figure out, well, how do we contribute back to this community? Because we're going to work just as hard. And if we can get that little extra help and then get that support, then we can grow. And then you know, when you do good things and you work with good people, you meet other good people. And so, you know, that that's when, you know, Denis met me or introduced me to Lauren 
And, and Lauren and I had this vision and then other people got involved and, and we have great investors. And so when you put these communities together and the right people together, that's really when you start to see that, that growth. And so as long as the people you're bringing together have that same kind of outlook and vision as you do, that's when you're going to be able to see the next level of, or the next step of, of your journey with your company and your organization. So um, that's, you know, that's kind of how we did it quickly, but it, it was, it's been in the works for years and years and years. So. Yeah, if I can add, if, success, success. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah, if I can add something, Peyton is one of the hardest guys I've ever known. I mean, that guy is just amazing. And he's also so generous of his time. So anytime we had a question, he was always like, okay, how can I help you? And that what he's saying is actually so so true about how he lives, basically, and how he, he engaged with these uh these people and how he engaged with business. I mean, that's why to me it's just like when we asked, you know, we were looking for somebody to to work with and and we were so excited he was able to have his cool packing business. I was testing on a regular basis, like, so how far are you? How far are you? Because <laughs> we want we want to be we want to work with you because we had such a great experience. So that's that's the part I will I would seriously have people engaging in. Like find people who have the same mindset, the same ethos in terms of how you want to run your business. Don't don't take don't take any shortcuts, it's not going to be worth it. Uh, you know, it's not the, the, the short-term gain and the pain is not going to be worth it for your business. So, uh, you know, I, I, what I've learned is patience. So find the right person and, you know, go for it afterwards. But yeah. And find, find people who want to help. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. of our whole big thing too, is like, you know, Denise said, I, I'm generous with my time and, and sometimes maybe too much, but you know, it, it's because I, I want to help people. And the more mm-hmm. people I help, the more success mm-hmm. we have as a company. And, and especially in like services and consulting, right? So it's like, if you help and they grow, you grow. So you should be generous with your time because you're helping yourself grow by helping others grow. And, and that's kind of from day one. I mean, our kind of internal joking, uh, slogan with, with Copac, it's, it's spelled K-O-Pac, right? And it's knockout packaging. And our whole thing is any, job big or small will knock it out you know so because because it's really difficult for small companies who need a run of 200 units or 500 units or even a thousand units to find anybody who will give them the time of day you know and and we answer every phone call and i watched truce struggle through that early on finding the right fit you know and and then you can find people who can help you with that but then at the same time then there's nobody to help you scale and then you're making trying to make this jump from somebody small and who's struggling to keep up with you and and their business might even be hurting because you're getting too big for them. And then all of a sudden you've got to go find a bigger co-packer who will give you the time of day. And I mean, there's co-packers that I've called and three years later, I'm still waiting for them to call me back, you know? And so, um, you know, we, we make, we answer every phone call. Um, and a prime example of that is one of our, our best clients. Now I, I happen to be in the warehouse super early my phone for some reason was turned on and not during the off business hours I answered and it was a guy in Florida and he had a small business who needed a small run. He was panicking. He needed to get product to Amazon and his co-packer um, screwed him over and he couldn't get anything done. And he, he needed 500 units yesterday. And I said, all right, send us your stuff. We'll figure it out. You know, don't know much about you, your product, your brand, anything like that. But um, long story short, he ended up being, he's, He's doubled his orders each month for the last three months. 
in science. Mm-hmm. So he went from 500 to 1,000 to 2,000. And the phone call we had the other day was he he needs to keep a minimum stock of 5,000 at Amazon at all times now. So we're constantly, and, and it was just because we answered the phone and we gave this guy who was in a pinch and needed a super small amount of units, just, just needed some help. And because we helped him, I mean, he's going to be super loyal to us. We'll be super loyal to him. And um, I think finding that and being that type of person and having that in your heart and in your ethos is is really where you end up succeeding. I like that a lot. So it sounds like, um, you know, your strategy, what makes you different, you know, you answer the call, right? So someone has a need and you're not, you know, determining whether or not they're worth your time, or they're going to have a big enough return. You just say, you know, I recognize there's small business owner out there. They have, you know, needs. They're looking to grow. They're obviously evolving. They're, you know, their own business, and we're going to, you know, be there to help support them. But my question is, what's and and I don't know exactly where you are, you know, when you're looking to the forward. How do you stay true to that, right? Because you're going to grow and you want your customers to grow. And so your customers are going to, you know, grow and they're going to be having, you know, bigger orders. And so how do you, you know, when you're looking to the future, how are you going to balance both of those things where you're naturally going to grow because your customers are going to grow? And, you know, as you have bigger customers, you're going to attract bigger customers, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind yeah. of the way it works. Yeah. So then how do you stay true to, to, to not because you don't, you know, you, you, I'm sure you always want to, but how do you ensure you're always able to answer the phone and, and be able to help that little guy and, and, sure. and even justify like I, you're always looking at, you know, your returns and making decisions, you know, how are you going to, you know, justify? Yeah. I love that you caught that and asked that question because that is the story of 99% of the co-packers out there. You know, they start small, they get big and they stop helping out their smaller brands. So we built into our business plan to have a facility that is built specifically to do small run, small batch products based on the machines we bought, as well as big products. So we can run both jobs at the same time, you know, with certain number of people run this machine and it's for the small amount. Certain number of people run the large machine and it, it does, you know, from 500 units on the same machine in the same, or from one machine in the same room to 40,000 units in the same shift. And we've got the people and the ability to scale back and forth between both of those. You know, and it's about your team. So everybody we hire, they understand we're going to have some jobs where this is going to take us an hour. And we have some jobs that this is going to take us a week. And we work them into our schedule and we bring extra people in for jobs that need to get done sooner and quicker if we have to and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, again, it's just built into our DNA and that's what we're going to stay true to. And we've gotten calls from the really big guys already. And we make sure that we can fit them in their schedule, but all at the same time, we make sure we take care of everybody who's been with us before first and that they're on the schedule and that they've got the machines lined up for them first and everything, because that big guy might come and give you that big paycheck, but the moment they're gone and you've lost all these other people who were supporting your business before, now you have no business and you're starting over again. And so we've always felt that it's important that always answer the call, Never say no within reason, you know, say yes, help them out, figure it out, be transparent, you know, hey, we'll do a small run for you. It's going to be more expensive, but, you know, when you start to scale, we're going to drop our price. We're not going to keep charging you this much, you know, 
it's going to make sense. We'll make sure it makes sense and we'll figure out how to get there together. And yeah, so we just, we've really built it into what we do. So does this transparency go also to the big orders where you say it's going to take me two weeks and that's because we've got other commitments that our equipment and team is going to have to address? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's why I can't do your one week Mayday order because oh, yeah. two weeks is where I can build you into my schedule. And that's definitely protecting and that percentage of future growth and, and again, saying true to your course. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we've got um, the way we built out the facility. I wish I could show you guys, but we've got multiple rooms and rooms that are going to transition from uh, maybe their staging and storage that'll eventually be production. And so we've got it to where, you know, we're starting in these small rooms, but our facility can scale so we can, you know, handle a thousand units. And then all of a sudden we can handle a hundred thousand units, but then go back if we need to. And so it's kind of, you know, I've visited a lot of co-packers, um, took a lot of tours, um, seen a lot of really, really good ones, seen a lot of really, really bad ones. Um, and so when when we mapped out the design and we sat down together and figured this out, we, we really, you know, and I, I take this from, from working at the restaurant. So we would blueprint the restaurants and then figure out what's the flow mm -hmm. of your serving staff and, and where the food comes in and where it goes out and where the the drinks are taken and the orders are taken and the customers and the whole experience, right? So we did the same thing here. You know, we mapped it out and decided, you know, how are we going to do our tours? How are we going to show people the machines? How are we going to not slow down production? All that kind of stuff. So we brought that all together and, and you know, where are we going to do our smaller runs? How are we going to line up the machines so that we don't, we still have space for the small machines, but we can scale with the big machines and, and have enough people in the room to run them both at the same time and, and not stop production for anybody. So. Intentionally uh, so, is the word. Yeah, and you know, I, I think the other, um, you know, thing to just note is that, you know, we you, we mentioned the so not only you know do you think about you know my longevity and who was there for me and I want to make sure I'm there for them, but we mentioned early on the importance of the importance that small companies. Um, are to the community and to the overall, you know, business ecosystem. And the pandemic is, and, and truce is a, is a perfect example because uh, here, you know, sanitizers and cleaning products, you know, became this really high and high, high, high demand. Uh, and so the and the, the biggest the biggest suppliers were were running out, right? And mm -hmm. so that you know it really highlighted the importance and the role that that small companies you know play as well. And so it you know so when you think about you know what are you bringing with your company? You know what is you know Copac bringing, and making sure that we do continue to support those small companies because not only is it you know is it good for our company, but it's good for the greater community as well. Because what if what if you know companies like Truce weren't able to respond um, when when we truly when we truly needed them, you know? And and I was thinking, Denny, as well. I was just curious about. Uh, so not only did we have you know this increased need for you know for you know cleaning products, but um, you know what about the people who who understand the importance of clean products? You know, they understand the. Uh, the dangers of all the chemicals that are in, you know, the vast majority of the products and people who really, um, you know, believe that, you know, those, those along with, you know, food preservatives are likely what's, 
you know, a significant cause to, you know, to the increased disease that we're experiencing in these rich Western advanced, you know, countries. So I'm just curious, you know, for you and, and filling that specific, you know, segment, um, how, you know, how, have you, have you seen, um, you know, where people are, 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 are really um, understanding more or, or, are they gravitating more to those natural products? You, be, you know, they had to they had to start looking at alternatives anyway. You know, if nothing else, because of supply. But then also, you know, or or have you seen where people are like, I just need sanit, you know, sanit. I just need cleaning supplies. I don't I don't care what's in it. I mean, what have you seen? So that's that's such an interesting question because that's actually at the core of who we are. First of all. People have to realize that there is no U.S. legislation, no laws that is forcing basically cleaning products to list their ingredients on the bottles. Uh, California is California is the only state that has kind of like say you know is Prop 65, so they say you know what these are the ingredients that are not allowed. So I think the lot of companies now are, are putting their ingredients, but also you have a lot of companies that basically. So if you want to do the ingredients, go to our website. We were transparent from day one, so because we started the Phoenix. Um, downtown market and people have allergies, people were cancer survivors, people were allergic to scent. So we wanted to make sure that basically we were totally transparent. So you can take one of our bottle product and you can look and these are the ingredients inside that bottle. I mean, we are not lying to you. It's easy. I mean, there's actually a very cute video on our website to show you kids reading the ingredients of our products compared to our competitors. Because that's what, that's who we were from the start. Uh, like being as transparent as possible. And we learned a lot about the business talking about co-packers because at first we didn't sell water in our products. So basically you bought the bottle, but you had only the ingredients Can't and you had a tag that says add your own water because to us it makes so much sense. Why do we do we have to sell you water? My wife had to answer the, the calls so many times because customers in the stores or people in the stores were like, eh, the, your bottle is empty. So there's a problem with the product. And so we are like way ahead of maybe the curve. Because the, the people, the, the customers were not there. As soon as we added water, our sales just multiplied by like 20. Because people are like, and because the products on the, in the grocery store, the way the industry set up the grocery store is the price per ounces of products you have in the, in the bottle. So if you look at the 16 ounce bottle, basically, and you put it by ounce, because we only put four ounces of products in the concentrate, basically, the people are like, that is insane. I mean, when I compare to the competitor, I can buy the same stuff for 28 ounces, 20 cents an ounce compared to Truce, which is like, you know, a dollar 20. It's like, yeah, but wait a minute here. You are only, co- so we, we learn on that part and we had to, to get the co-packer engaged. And now, I mean, talking about, you know, talking about, um, Peyton and how he structure his system. The, the pain for us was really having co-packers willing to do this small runs because what you have to think about is like the reason why I can only do a run of a thousand dollars is guess what? Cash is king. And I only have enough money to make a thousand. And to me, it's just like, that's a challenge. I mean, all our big ideas of the business, cash is king. Because, you know, when I go to a co-packer that Peyton, I mean, he has to, you know, he has to work. I mean, he has, you know, he has to make money. And so he's going to ask, guess what? You know, I need to put you to put money down. So you negotiate the term. But for me as a business, and I'm draining all that cash up front. 
And this is where the trust and the relationship, because if it tells me it's going to be able to deliver the product in six weeks or seven weeks or whatever, I need to make sure that's really going to happen because my cash has been tied up front and I'm not going to be paid by my customer for an extra 30 days. So it's a very long swing of cash flow. That has been the biggest, biggest challenge. I mean, right now, just before I jump into that, uh, your meeting here, I was with my team talking about like, we have a list of products we need to have made. And again, you're talking about now units of 10,000 units, 15,000 units, which is not big, but we need to have that done every month or every two months. The only thing that is stopping us is cash flow. If you will allow me to do kind of like a slight conversation with conscious capitalism to me is there's still not an ecosystem of funders in the, in the arena of conscious capitalism. The fact that you have people who can create an app and get money up front for an idea. And, and to me, that blows my mind because you have people like Peyton and I who are making products and it's a struggle. It's a struggle. None of the banks is going to talk to you. Uh, you know, and finding investors, they look at you and you can say, Oh, I'm a conscious capitalism business. They look at you and it's like, well, good for you. And to me, if there, if I have my only kind of big peeve about conscious capitalism right now, it's like the mass of businesses and investors who, who are willing to put money down where the belief is in conscious capitalism, that's where it's needed because people, it's not only truth, it's not only paid, but you have hundreds of small businesses that are really running this business with a really believe that doing the right thing and what's killing them is cash flow. And there is nobody to give them and like, how much money do you need? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to loan you that money. And that to me, let me tell you, I've been looking for funding now for six months and it's pretty much a day to day business. You know, that's my entire job. That's why I'm the cheerleader. I'm, I'm, my goal is to raise money. You know, that's, that's my only job. Well, and I think the other part of the system that's broken is like you said, you're not, but you're not going to get, you're going to, you have to, you know, put all that money in up front and then Mm -hmm. just to get it to the point where you can sell it. And then you're, it's going to be 30 days before you get paid because you're going through a company who they got paid on day one. And yet you're having to wait 30 days because, you know, they're the, the people with the power are maximizing their own internal cash flow at the expense of, you know, their small suppliers. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I I understand the game. I mean, I'm not against the game. I understand the game. It's just like, like, you know, we're just talking about this morning. It's just like, you guys, yeah, we, you know, so we have an opportunity where we could be selling basically $150,000 worth of products. I don't have the money to make them. It's like, I won't have it now. I mean, I might have it in Q1 of next year. And so this is, this is the part of the struggle because we are considered as being an essential business because we, we do cleaning products and, you know, we, we do these things that are very useful for everybody. We're helping people get rid of chemicals inside their homes. Yeah, we should be further ahead. But what's stopping us? It has been a self-funded business from day one, basically. I've, I've, I've basically, that's why my nickname was Sugar Daddy. Yeah. I've self-funded the <laughs> business, you know, you know, from basic for all these years. And it's just like, you know, I, and I, that's fine with me because I really believe in what we are doing. But now that you need to go to the the next level, it's like, who is going to really... So I have a lot of people It's like, oh yeah, I totally believe in your story. Let me know when you make $2 million in revenue. And I'm like, well, dude, I need the money now to get to a million and a half. Yeah. It's just like, I'm willing to negotiate. And then I'm like, uh, no, 
and, and just like, so it's a non-starter. And that's, you know, I know everybody wants to make a quick buck, but there is money to be made if people are patient, if people, because the people who are smart, who are willing to say, okay, how much money do you need? I will help you grow the business. They could may, be making so much money. And that's, that's my only kind of like pig peeve in, you know, CPG and the, and the whole issue of conscious capitalism, because I've not yet found anybody, any major investors who have said, I totally believe in what you do. I, I understand what you are doing. I understand you are playing the long game. You know, let me, let me help you. That's, that's my only, because I know where we could potentially be. We could be like so far ahead. We're so. certainly swimming against the currents of, you know, if you look at society in general, right? Like uh, Amazon's two day delivery. Well, that's not fast enough. We need same day delivery. No, I need a drone here in an hour. <laughs> How can I possibly wait until Monday for my t shirt? So, yeah. and, and, you know, the, I can't even remember the numbers of how often people touch their phone throughout the day, it's, you know, hundreds of times. Like this whole concept of, just wait and, and let mm-hmm. it become, you know, let the acorn become an oak like that. Yeah. That's not the pace of our society. I'm actually curious what the narrative is in the business school. Like what, what are we teaching the future generation of leaders about the value of, you know, the stock market's going to gauge everybody by the quarter, by the week, by the day, wh- whatever metric. It's not long enough when you compare it to people building organizations for the long term. you know, the, the seventh mm-hmm. generation mindset that that's just not prevalent. So what oh, what's abs- happening in the classrooms? Where where do we start to stem that tide? And I, absolutely. I mean like the seventh generation mindset. So Thunderbird is very unique in that in that concept because Thunderbird was created as a that's why the ethos to me of Thunderbird kind of totally resonated with me when I started to teach over there like 16 years ago now. Because it's really like it's it's very close to conscious capitalism actually in the in a in the mindset. So uh, there's two student chapters. There is one at WP Carey at ASU, and there is the other big global chapter is actually at Thunderbird. So we have a small conscious capitalism chapter at Thunderbird. I, you know, this, I, because I talked to the students about what it was, people are like, oh my God, you know, how can we create a chapter? So we have a small chapter. It hasn't been super active because, of course, we created it in January of this year, and then, you know, everything fell through the crack. But to me, these are the future. I mean, these are the, the, the kids who are right now, the students who are right now in the sustainability school. I mean, they are the ones, they are the ones who are going to make a change, who are going to understand really like, okay, I can make money. It might not be, you know, 15 folds in 30 days, but I'm going to make that money in a year. And I think the, the stock market has unfortunately totally warped people's mindset, you know, in terms of like how quickly we can life, you know, life is a marathon and, you know, being patient. I mean, if you, li- if you listen to great investors, I mean, this, this, this is not the quick box that is rewarding. It's the growing right. the business and bringing that from a small business to, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, company. So. Yeah. And the yeah. people you impact along the way, all the, the customers mm-hmm. you serve and the employees mm-hmm. and, the, and the suppliers mm-hmm. that join you on that ride over that time, that's the dollars mm-hmm. that really matter that get transferred mm-hmm. around. Yeah. Yeah, so, and we unfortunately are getting very close to the end of our time, and it came really, really fast. But, oh, wow. I, you know, right. yeah, but Peyton, <laughs> you know, on the, uh, any, you know, thoughts on, you know, what we were just talking about? I mean, we don't have time, and, you know, and I'm sure people would get tired of hearing it, but don't get me started when you talk about, you know, the stock market <laughs> and quarterly reporting, and yeah. But I, just, you know, any comments you wanted to make or, you know, I mean, just, yeah, yeah, just to add to what Denis was saying is, you know, us being 
a outsourced manufacturing, kitting, fulfillment business. I mean, helping the small guys kind of figure out their cash flow is what's going to get their company to be bigger. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of why we want to help the small companies. And not only have I seen it with Truce and them go through it, but like me having my own brand and starting and selling on Amazon and into grocery stores, like I experienced it too. And, and I get, um, you know, some of my products have been, been pushed because a bigger brand came in and they're like, well, we need product. And the co-packers are like, well, they're more important. So we're going to pack theirs and completely miss out on something that was super important to us. And so, you know, I just feel like what we're trying to do and what, what Truce has gone through and continues to go through is, you know, obviously we, we can't be investors. We don't have the capital to do that. But as a service provider who cares about our clients, we can do our best to help them get to the point to where somebody who is willing to invest or can see the potential can come in and help them even more. Um, and so that that's kind of where we see ourselves. And then, yeah, hopefully someday Denis and I can have uh, companies that, you know, sell for exorbitant amount of money and we can remember where we came from and come back to small brands, just like Truce and I are now. And we can come in and, and, you know, do some investing and help them out because we understand the struggles. And that's the ultimate goal is to do things now so that we can do greater things later and, you know, help those people out in the same positions that we were in once. I signed for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I paid to let me know where you want me to sign, man. If you're telling me the future is already all lined up, you know, let, I, you know there. I put a drip, a drip of blood on a piece of paper if you want to. There I you mean, go. you know, I'm all for it, you know. Well, I think that you guys, um, you know, your, your relationships and your companies and just even the different ways that you've done business together over the years are just a really great example of how, you know, we may be small, but, you know, we can be mighty at the same time. And the more of us that are, you know, banding together and, and doing these sorts of things, the bigger an impact we'll have and how we change the overall, you know, ecosystem of business. And I always say, you know, because conscious capitalism and companies like us, we really are looking at it for the long term instead of the quick buck. You know, if nothing else, we've got to outlast them, right? If nothing else. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it may hurt a little bit more, or, you know, or you may ask yourself why now, but in the long run, it means it's got to pay off. Um, so I think with that, you know, we definitely are at time. And so I just want to, you know, thank both Peyton and Denny for spending the time with us and for all the things that you're doing, you know, to, again, to build these strong networks of companies that are working together and for a uh, greater purpose. And, uh, and then the last thing is to always remind you that to learn more about conscious capitalism, the best place to go is our website, ccarizona.org. Uh, check out our events page, look at what it means to be a member and how being a member can really help, again, grow these types of communities and change the ecosystem of business and uh, and help us outlast these uh, guys that are playing <laughs> the game for the short-term win. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. Thank so you very much. much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to People in Profit, where we showcase the businesses that are elevating humanity through their work right here in Arizona. Learn more about us at ccarizona.org.